Terry promised world-renowned preachers while he was gone. I don't know where they are. I haven't seen them show up, so I think you guys got robbed. We're going to start with the reading of the scripture. Then we will go ahead and pray. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 11:23-34. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined. By the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Let us pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, for your scripture. Lord, that you give us instruction on how we are to live our lives, Lord. You tell us what salvation is. And you show us who we are through real eyes. Lord, I ask that It would be your words, not mine, in this message, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done here. Thank you for everybody that is here. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen. So we're going to start out with a little bit of a review from last week. Nothing in-depth or anything. So this is one of four accounts of the Lord's table in the Bible. The other three we read last week. Actually, we read this one along with the other three. And I am not going to read those this week because I felt that we exhausted that last week. The setting was the Passover feast. And as we saw last week, that had the cup, the bread, the lamb. All of that was set in place long before Christ was ever born in bodily flesh here on earth. 
It was set into place as symbolic resemblance to Christ. Anytime you see any redeeming work in the Bible, it was all done in a manner of the Passover. That's the the reference. They go and they celebrate the Passover to show God's redemption. And so we looked at some of that and we looked at how the bread was pure, it was unleavened, and that was resembling the symbol of the Lord's body, Christ's body. How the blood was the wine, and how the lamb was the sacrifice. Not a bone of it was broken, not a bone of the Lord was broken either. So as we move on to this passage, it's written by Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth from Ephesus. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. It says, But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for the effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. So he is writing, actually, I want to go back a little bit. He's in verse 7, I'm sorry. For I do not wish to see you now, just in passing. For I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for the effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So he says right here, he wants to see them, but he is in Ephesus at the moment, and he is going to stay there for a little bit because... He doesn't want it to be a short trip. He's writing a letter of rebuke to the church in Corinth. This church has done many things that is pretty shameful. They're not acting in a right manner of how the church should act. And so he is writing a letter of rebuke to these people here in Corinth. Another thing to point out is that he was given this account from the Lord himself. He says he did not consult with flesh and blood of men or with the apostles in Jerusalem that came before him. And you see that Galatians 1, 11 through 24. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel of which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Christ Jesus. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But 
I went to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later I went up to Jerusalem and became acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him fifteen days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. So we see that he says that he did not take counsel from men, that all of this was given him by the Lord, all the gospel in which he is preaching, everything that he is saying. He did not go and get all this from men. He also reiterates this in the passage that we're looking at, 1 Corinthians 11:23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. He says right there in the first part of that, For I received from the Lord that which I also I delivered to you. So he is saying here that he is not speaking of his own accord. He's speaking on behalf of what the Lord has taught him, what the Lord has revealed to him. So Paul, doing that, he has gone out to the Gentiles. And he is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was originally persecuting the church. However, now they're praising and glorifying God because they're hearing that he is no longer doing that. He's no longer going and taking and arresting Christians and bringing them in to be persecuted and killed. So as we come to this passage, there's more to it than just what I read there. There's some context to it. We're going to start the context with 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen through 22. And we will read that here. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist amongst you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. So he has declared here that they've come together, not for the better, but for the worse. They are forsaking their assembly of themselves together. And as we are instructed in Hebrews chapter 10 starting in verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near for if we go on sinning willfully 
after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. So we see there, the writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of each other together. Now that means a couple things. Number one, be here. If you're not here, you're not assembling together. And you're forsaking the assembly of everyone together. But also, it says to stimulate each other to good works. And the church in Corinth was not doing that. They definitely had factions among them. The rich people were coming, eating all the food up. They were having a feast of the Lord's table with the Lord's table, and they were coming and eating all the food up. And the poor people were coming, people who had nothing. And they didn't have anything for them left to eat. So he says, they're coming together for the worse, not the better. Verse 19 says, For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. I thought this was very interesting. If you look at what this church is doing, how they're perverting what God has put in place, how they're perverting the Lord's table and whatnot, it says divisions and factions among you. There will be divisions and factions among you, so the approved may become evident. I thought this was really an interesting thing because he is writing to a church, he's writing to believers. But there is a difference between those who are approved and who, those who are not in the church. First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 6. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid such opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error, impurity, or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, or with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though the apostles of Christ, which we might have asserted our authority. So Paul describes there what it looks like as being approved. It means to be genuine. It means to be true. You're not speaking falsely. And it's not speaking as one pleasing men, but pleasing God. You see these people. You know these people in the church. You know who is speaking what God has said, not what men have said. You know who is speaking what's pleasing to men's ears, not to God's ears. So you know who... who, You can see who the approved are and who are not. 
But it says that the divisions and factions among you are there so that the approved will become evident. Those who are approved are going to speak out against the things that are going on that people are doing who are not of God. So the approved are going to be speaking out. And I'm sure that there are approved in this church. Paul has basically said here that this is showing the difference between the approved and the people who are not approved of God. And so I'm sure there's people who are speaking out against these things, people who are speaking out against the the acts of drunkenness and the acts of feasting and leaving nothing for anybody else. And I'm sure they're speaking out, and I'm sure they're not being given very good uh, notice. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are against them because people don't want to hear that kind of thing. People don't want to hear those things unless you are truly given the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit lives within you. So as we look on, we're looking at the, the behavior. How, how are we supposed to behave when taking the Lord's table? We're not to come together to be self-serving, first off. Verses 20 through 22. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. But do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you. Corinthian people have made a mockery of the Lord's table. Again, there are ones who are coming to eating everything, getting drunk, leaving nothing for the others. And those who were coming later... They had to work. They they were poor. They didn't have anything. And they were coming together to try and have like a love feast. When they did this, a lot of these people who were poor, some of them were slaves because lots of slaves had gotten saved. And a lot of times this would be one of the only really good meals they would have when they came together. Instead, there was nothing for them. So Paul is scourging them. He's asking these people, these rich people, don't you have houses where you can eat? Don't you have houses where you can drink? Or do you despise the church of God so much that you're going to go ahead and shame those who have nothing? Paul is saying that this is to honor Christ's death. This meal, this what they're doing is supposed to be to honor Christ's death. But what they're doing is horrendous. They've turned it into a gluttonous meal. He's basically telling them, you want to eat and drink a meal? You want to get drunk? You want to eat and be gluttonous? Then stay home. This is the table of the Lord. There's no room for that here. table of the Lord is not to serve yourself. It's to remember Christ and what He did for us on the cross. 
is to proclaim his death until he until we see him again until he comes it says here verse 26 so paul goes on to some more instruction here on the other side of his presenting of the lord's table and we're going to see that in verses 27 through 28 to start out with therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the lord so he's saying if you come and you do this in an unworthy manner as the corinthian church has done here then you are guilty of the blood and the body of the lord first off i'd like to point out that you are to examine yourself. And we will see that in verse 28. But a man must examine himself. In so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So first off, if you are an unbeliever, you should not take the Lord's table because you don't represent Christ. Christ is not in you. You cannot represent something that you are not. You cannot represent Christ because you do not have Christ. And in verse 26, he proclaims that for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, if you are not a Christian, if you if Christ has never saved you, then you can't proclaim that which you're not a part of. You have no right to do so. So if you are not a Christian today, then I would say do not partake of the Lord's table. Because it is for us to proclaim Christ, those who are his. Another part of this is if you have an unrepentant, unconfessed sin in your life, including any unreconciled offense with a brother or sister in Christ, you should not take the Lord's table. Because those people who are brothers and sisters in Christ have Christ in them. They're part of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And if you have anything unreconciled with them, then you have something, an offense with God himself, with Christ himself. So you should not take of the Lord's table if you have this. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. It doesn't mean that we haven't had any sin. It doesn't mean that we haven't sinned in the last 10 seconds. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about coming to the Lord in a pure manner of worship. It's talking about coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I have sinned. I know you know all this. I want to be right with you for this. And I want to worship you and proclaim you, your body, proclaim your blood, proclaim your sacrifice for all to see. We're going to look at judgment and the consequences of taking the Lord's table 
if you are not right with the Lord. We're going to go to verses 29. Start in verse 29. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, we look here, the consequences of taking the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. We're looking at judgment. Judgment here is not condemnation to hell. It's not condemnation. He even says this here in verse 32. He says, But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So he is separating those who are the Lord's from the world. He is saying here, The world is going to be condemned to hell. But this judgment does not mean that. This judgment is not condemnation with the world. This judgment is discipline. It is to chasten, to correct. The word judgment is describing a discipline of children. So the Lord is disciplining those who are coming in an unworthy manner, who are mocking his table, who are doing these things that the Corinthian church has done as he would discipline us as children, or as we would discipline our children. He loves us. The Lord is doing this in love. He is doing correction in this kind of discipline. And it says, verse 30, For this reason many among you are weak, and many sick, and a number sleep. He's saying that this is the discipline that he is using so that you will not be condemned along with the world. This discipline is many are made weak because they are not taking to the Lord's table rightly because they are mocking this great thing which the Lord has brought forth. Many are sick because of that. And some of them are dead because of what they've done with the Lord's table. And what's the worst thing? If you're dead, well, you're taken to heaven. Doesn't sound too bad, huh? But don't think that that's something that you really want the Lord to be disciplining you. As we saw again back in Hebrews 10... I don't think you want this to happen because it says 10.26, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there will no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire 
which will consume the adversaries. The Lord, <laughs> He can bring down some, some discipline. Things that you don't want to see. And it can even, according to here, it can even result in your death. So, as we were looking at this, I believe the Lord takes His Supper very seriously. This is something that was put in place by Christ Himself. It is something that He has shown represents His body, His blood, and His sacrifice for us, for our sins. I think this is a very personal thing for the Lord. He has said that we are to do it until He comes back. He doesn't say how often. The early church did it pretty much every time they came together. And has become something that we do on a regular basis. Like I said, there's no instruction on how often you do it. But keep in mind... You are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. And I say that you proclaim His death until He comes. Look at what you were doing. Look at how you were acting. Look at if you were coming in a worthy manner or not. Because you do not want to partake and proclaim the Lord if you don't look like a Christian, if you look like the church in Corinth where they were doing all these things, then you should not partake of the Lord's table. I'm not saying that this church is doing these things here with us. I believe that we are coming in a very uh, worthy manner. We are not taking this as a drunken feast we are not using this to serve ourselves we are serving the Lord but I cannot see your hearts nobody else can see your heart only you and the Lord can see your heart so my conclusion brothers and sisters make sure that you come to the Lord's table ready to worship in a worthy manner that there's no hindrance between you and God so that you do not make a mockery of this proclamation of Christ's death and resurrection that paid the price for the eternal damnation of our sins for me and you.